This is the Yoga 360 Podcast, bringing you knowledge, inspiration, and resources to help you better connect with our community and live your best life. Featuring real stories from real people having fun conversations from the heart. If you enjoy the benefits of yoga, value your health and well-being, and enjoy connecting with others, you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to the Yoga 360 Podcast. Tonight is Episode 3, and I am Steve Cotton, your host. As the needs of the studio continue to grow and expand, I am joined tonight by Karen Ainey, one of the instructors here at the Yoga 360 studio. Hello, Karen. Hi, Stephen. How are you this, tonight? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Good, good. Uh, so I think as we continue, you'll be hearing from me more as a co-host. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Excited to do it. Yes, I'm very excited to have you join us as well. Cool. Let's get started. <laughs> All right. We'll get, we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. So just as uh, what we've been doing, we've been kind of going through everybody's bios and uh, testimonials. So I'll be reading your bio off of uh, the Yoga 360 website. Karen began her yoga journey in 2006 as a method of cross-training for her favorite sports as well as long-distance long running. After two debilitating back injuries, she fell back in love with yoga and credits it with helping her to maintain a quality of life despite chronic pain and injuries that would otherwise keep her immobile. She chose to train in the tr- tradition that is closest to her, her heart, yin yoga, and finds tremendous joy in sharing its healing powers with those around her. When she isn't at the studio, you can find her working at one of her many jobs, watching hockey, playing dodgeball, or reading a good book. She also loves to cook and loves sharing vegetarian or sugary treats with her friends and family. Karen aims to provide a safe and encouraging space with gentle corrections and an opportunity for internal expansion in her classes. Karen teaches yin, and she has completed a 50-plus yin yoga with Bernie Clark in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> that all sounds right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you would know. I did write it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a minute ago, but yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no that's, uh, that's a very good, uh, good bio and a good, uh, good introduction to yourself here. Um, it says there are your favorite sports. So what, what are your favorite sports? Ooh. Well, we're excited about hockey right now. It is hockey season. It's Stanley Cup season. So I'm getting excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sport that I played the most was probably rugby. I played it pretty competitively, played for the province a couple times, and U19 teams, U18 teams. So, um, yeah, I went from a violent, aggressive sport to yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's logical right <laughs> yeah oh yeah very very logical yeah so did you get to uh travel for that if you played for uh, uh the province or was it all just um internal of the province only within the province uh the year that i played for the province the playoffs were here unfortunately so didn't get to do any exciting traveling so but you didn't get to expand very much <laughs> went to Every, everybody was everybody was brought to you yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. uh what was the chronic uh pain that you were experiencing so that's what I live with now. Um, I have chronic pain um, with regards to my back injury. I was in a car accident in 2015. Um, I'm now waiting on surgery to correct it. And uh, yeah, I'm in some level of pain every day. I do take medication for it. Um, but I am 100% confident I literally wouldn't be walking without my yoga practice. So I'm so passionate about it and I'm so grateful for what it gives me. Okay. Um, it, it mentioned in your bio there um, two debilitating back injuries. Is that um, is that was yeah. a, a result of the uh, motor vehicle accident and, yeah. and the chronic pain? So the one I'm living with now absolutely is. I did have a prior back injury that um, 
at the time I would have referred to as debilitating, but it wasn't quite as bad as what I'm dealing with now. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was debilitating then in relation to not experiencing the second one, which was a lot more debilitating, I, I would imagine. Yeah, and it, it was debilitating, but it was short-lived and I recovered pretty quickly versus now it's, it's, uh, it's an injury that I'm not going to be able to fix by myself. I need some medically trained professionals to slice me open and that's okay. <laughs> okay, so why yoga and what is yoga to you? So yoga for me initially when I got into it was to help us cross training. Um, I wanted to run and I have a larger body and it's not great for running. It's not easy on the joints. So I wanted to do everything I could to protect my body and make that accessible for me. So yoga really was about strengthening my body um, and staying active in a way that was more gentle to it than the other things I was putting it through. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, well, 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 definitely with uh, uh, with rugby, for sure. Yeah, rugby, and even just running. Like, anyone running, especially on pavement, it's not good for the joints. You're getting that pounding. It's not good. Yes, um, it's, it's very taxing on the body. Absolutely, and you know that as well, I'm sure, with your jiu-jitsu, like any jumps, things you're doing, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard on the joints, but the stronger your muscles and ligaments are, the more you're going to be able to protect yourself. So Yeah, we're throwing each other on... on yeah, on, on you know mats and <laughs> and that, but uh, but even still, it, it, it's very taxing and jarring on the, on the um, in, internal components of the body of, of the body as well too. Not not just the uh, constant pounding on the uh, pavement and the the yeah. joint structures there. None of it's good. So <laughs> that was why yoga for me was to help um, keep me strong and keep it and keep me safe for those things. And for me, yoga really. I understand for everyone it's different, and I think for some people it is a really spiritual religious practice um i think for some people it's purely just a workout i think for me i'm somewhere in between it is a workout for me it is a way to strengthen my body and keep myself mobile but i think the sense of safety i get on my mat the sense of safety i get in the studio um makes it more of a spiritual internal practice for me as well okay excellent uh how did you discover yoga that's a really good question. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember. <laughs> like I, I was aware of yoga and even in high school, we would do a few yoga classes um, as cross training and uh, in different classes I took, I took yoga classes in high school. So I was aware of it. I knew it existed and uh, pursued it on my own once I graduated high school. Yeah. Yoga in high school was never an option for me. Like, like we would have stretching and, ca- and calisthenics. Yeah, and it uh, was but, but this was also in the mid to late 90s, so it was a little bit of a different Maybe, and like I graduated high school then. in 2004, so I'm not that okay. far off. Yeah. But And it wasn't that I had a yoga class in the schedule, but I took a couple classes. So I took um, a PE leadership class where we learned okay. things yep. like that. So uh, one of the things in that class we had to do was run a gym class like a, with the, our whole class. So I did a rugby one, but a couple people did yoga, so I took yoga there. Um and then every now and then in our actual gym class, the teacher would be like, oh, we're going to do yoga today. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it wasn't an actual like you were doing yoga all the time class, but it was a option that we pursued sometimes. And I was certainly aware of it. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what made you decide to become a teacher? So I think my answer is going to be a little different for most people. I went into training with no expectations. I wasn't necessarily expecting to become a teacher. I wasn't positive it would happen, which is part of the reason that I chose to just take 
uh, yin training with Bernie, and it's a fairly restrictive training. I'm not qualified to teach a lot of the other classes we offer here, um, but from my perspective, I wanted to take training and not necessarily be able to teach at the end. I just wanted to enrich my practice and learn more about what was important to me. So that's why I went with yin, and then uh, I connected with Candace and let her know I was going to do that, and she said, okay, well, we can talk about you teaching when you're done, and we can see if it's something you are able to do. Because there are naturally gifted teachers and there are not naturally gifted teachers. Oh, for teachers. sure. Yeah. Yes. And then from there, she uh, was generous enough to give me so much of her time, mentor me into an instructor, and, and the other instructors at the studio did the same. Um, so without them, I wouldn't be a teacher. Uh, and that would be okay. I would have taken a lot of information from the in-training that helped me stay functional, again, with my injury, um, with uh, what I deal with on a day-to-day basis and that would have been a huge takeaway from training as well um, but the fact that I get to teach is just a beautiful blessing on top of that mm-hmm. and uh, before we go any further the name uh, Bernie and, and Bernie Clark keeps coming up quite <laughs> qu- uh, quite regularly yeah. and uh, especially with uh, Yin yes. and and for anybody that's uh, been listening that hasn't heard that name before who is Bernie Clark again so I'll kind of go backwards a little bit. Yin yoga is a branch of yoga um, where you focus more on the fascia, the joints, the ligaments, tissue, uh, more so than the muscles. Uh, the sort of quote-unquote father of yin yoga is Paul Greeley. And he loves teaching, and he has some wonderful books that he writes, and that's what he does. Bernie, Bernie Clark, went to him and said, hey, I want to bring this to more people. And so Bernie... Um, runs the website yinyoga.com and he's written books about it and he sort of made the training more accessible so he's a student of Paul Greeley's and one of the godfathers of yin yoga Um, he lives in Vancouver he's based here so people travel from all over the world to study with him I'm just lucky that I happen to live close to him Um, yes it sounds like the people that um, that are from here that uh, uh, get to train with him are very lucky and consider themselves very well off for doing so so yeah in my training we have I think 25 people and I think only three or four of us were local the rest traveled from all over the world there were people from India London um, Turkey intercontinental exactly yeah they came from literally everywhere um and it was such a uh, it sort of reinforced what a blessing it was to have him so close like I was at home and went to this um studio to do training every day versus they had to stay in a hotel and yeah so we're lucky mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's amazing he has a cool backstory as well um you might want to check out if you're interested in that he comes to yoga from a very scientific background and and both of those uh, uh those names people can search on on google and, yeah. and find out oh absolutely paul so- Greeley. and if you go to yinyoga.com that's run by bernie and there's bios for him on there and everything so um very easy to search there that's very cool. out there yeah um but bernie has a very scientific background in that uh, he actually worked on the canada arm on the space station like he's an actual legitimate scientist and his path to yoga was very um he was a golfer and he wanted to get better at golf and his friend says hey you should meditate and bernie said "Mm, okay and but he tried it and it worked so being the scientist he is he looked for reasons and sort of in that vein fell into yoga and realized there's some legitimacy here there's some truth so he comes to yoga from a very scientific background um and he's sort of a an open skeptic <laughs> he's willing to look at things he doesn't understand uh, that's a good position to be is it op- is open skepticism yeah and that's what i shoot for myself personally uh, you know you want to talk about ghost stories or something i don't necessarily believe them but i'm open to being convinced that's fine <laughs> and so that's what he comes to yoga with and i think um 
if anyone's interested in pursuing training and that sort of resonates with you, he's a really great person to train with. When and where did you, did you do your uh, teacher training? And what can you tell us about that for anyone who is interested in pursuing that for themselves? Yeah, so I did mine in 2018 and it was in Vancouver. <laughs> it was out of a um, studio that unfortunately closed down with COVID. It's no longer running. Uh, but I know that Bernie is running his training online for now. Um, and hopefully he'll find a home eventually <laughs> to do training. Uh, Is that Zoom teacher training? I think so, yeah. I haven't looked too much into the details because I don't, I've done the training, obviously. Um, but I know that he and his assistant, Diana, have been running them online. So you can still get that information and maybe, you know, now you can do it without traveling to Vancouver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do any other uh, teacher training into any other um, styles of yoga? Yeah, so um, I mentioned this before we started recording, but I actually don't have a 200-hour teacher training. So a little bit of background for those of you who don't know a ton about teacher training. Here's a breakdown. Uh, When yoga came... Excellent. We need breakdowns. We like breakdowns, yes. (laughs) And I want to preface this by saying this is my understanding. I might have some of the details wrong, but this is the overall gist of things. So when yoga came to North America, there was no sort of... Uh, faction or organization that said we are going to certify yoga teachers so yoga alliance came on the scene and said hey we're going to do that (laughs) and they decided that to be a yoga teacher you needed a 200 hour teacher training my personal concern with some of them is that i don't think there is enough requirement to focus on certain areas so you're not guaranteed x number of hours of anatomy and if you are, it's not high enough for me. I think. Enough. And these are 200 hours in, in specific classes that are geared towards teaching? Yes. So your 200-hour teacher training, most of them will cover broad topics. You'll, you'll learn about anatomy. You'll learn about the postures. You'll learn about the, the branches of yoga, mm-hmm. uh, some of the philosophy. You'll learn about marketing yourself as a yoga teacher. And it sort of gives you a really broad base. Mm-hmm. So technically, I don't have that. Yeah. So it's not just 200 hours of doing yoga. No, 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 and no, because a couple months ago I got an email saying I've done 500 classes here. So, <laughs> so, so, so technically, I've done 500 hours. No, <laughs> no, and, and no, it's not applicable. Not, okay. not so much. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of things to offer us, and that's awesome. Uh, technically, not not a teacher yet. One day, <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, so, but you're, with- so, you're so kind in that rejection. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Uh, but with the 200, yeah, you'll do a bit mix of everything. You will do some practical stuff. Um, most 200-hour teacher trainings I've seen have some practical applications, so everyone will teach a practice class. Um, but that's my concern with them is not all of them offer all these things. And so I've been really careful in deciding which 200-hour I want to do. Um, I don't make decisions quickly. <laughs> and prior to COVID, I was sort of wrestling with um, – which 200-hour training to do and whether to do it prior to my surgery or after my surgery. Candice, our studio owner, uh, urged me to do it before my surgery because she thought it would be really valuable for me to learn to teach broken bodies. And if I take my 200-hour and get all this excessive knowledge, not excessive, all this wonderful knowledge while I'm still broken, it will make me a better teacher in the long run. That could definitely be um, be applicable. Absolutely. And my point to her, and I don't know if this is just that I'm so um, like chemically affected by my pain every day, is I, I can't envision a reality where I don't remember what it's like for things to hurt. I, I don't know that I'll ever get to that point. So even if I take it after my surgery... Oh. 
I think I'll still know how to teach to broken bodies. I think the only difference is I will be physically able to do more, um, which would be nice. So I was wrestling with whether to do it before or after surgery. Um, then COVID happened. Um, and I mentioned my injury I deal with now is the result of a car accident. So I was waiting on my settlement from that car accident. And I said to myself, I'm going to use some of that money to do 200 hour. I'll travel somewhere. I, you know, won't cut corners. I won't do the budget training. I'll do the best training I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to wait for my settlement. So now that COVID has happened, uh, surgeries have been pushed back. So my surgery is not anytime soon because of that. <laughs> and uh, I also had to settle my ca- case prematurely because of COVID. So um, I have my settlement. So now I have the monetary means to do my training. So now it's really just waiting for the world to be safe enough for me to Waiting do for, it. Uh, for everything to open back up again. Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. And I think I do want to do an in-person training. So I'll have to wait a little bit more, but that's okay. Um, so it is on the horizon. It's coming. <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, What are your favorite poses or sequences to teach? (laughs) You can probably answer this question for me. (laughs) (laughs) I've taken a fair share, fair share of uh, Karen Ainey Yin classes. TM. Yes. (laughs) Um, I love dragons. (laughs) I teach a lot of dragons. I'd say at least 75% of the classes I teach, I teach dragon in. Um, And I would say, first of all, because they almost always feel really good in my body. They're one of the poses that almost never hurts me. Um, like I don't get pain from it. I just get what I'm supposed to get from the posture. And that is rare for me. In yeah. So, uh, yeah. Similar for me. Um, uh, uh, dragons is definitely a sequence that I find a lot of value in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other reason I love teaching them is literally everyone I've spoken to that knows way more about me than the human body has said, this is the one you should do every day. My doctor says it. My physiotherapist says it. The other teachers who are much more experienced than me, they all say it. It's it's something you should practice a lot. It's so powerful. It targets areas of the body that um, almost everyone walking down the street needs targeting, <laughs> needs those areas targeted. So um, I think it's just a really valuable posture, series of postures to offer. And so almost always have them in yeah coming from from my world and my area of expertise in the in the martial arts world um hip hip openers like that with uh, uh, uh the dragon sequence is just so invaluable yeah for kicking and stuff i guess uh, uh for kicking and just uh, just hip uh, uh mobility because mm-hmm. because what i practice uh, uh brazilian jiu-jitsu and a little bit of judo as well uh so much of that comes from from your hips mm-hmm. the the mobility the um the uh, the angle of your hips and the power that's generated from there Absolutely. And if you don't have that mobility, you lose so much of the power. And I think it translates to so many sports like baseball, mm-hmm. <laughs> hockey. If your hips are moving properly, if there's nothing getting hitched up, caught up, you're you're just going to be a better athlete overall. So what are your least favorite poses or sequence <laughs> to teach and why? Uh, probably the op- the opposite of my first answer. So the ones that hurt me are my least favorite to teach. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Which a I good think answer. Is fair. <laughs> and I avoid practicing them. So I often will teach a posture um, and say, and I'm not going to do that because it's not right for my body and my injury but here's how you do it. And it's hard. I understand that that's valuable for a teacher to say to students, hey, this is what you're doing and it's okay if it's not right for you. But by the same token, I have an ego just like everyone and I want to be able to do everything and I want to be able to show my students that I can do it even if it's contraindicated based on my body type or my injuries. So specifically, I think I have taught Caterpillar, 
once. <laughs> and I don't think I'm familiar with Caterpillar. Caterpillar That's is... That's probably why I'm not familiar with it, because you don't teach <laughs> I it. I don't teach it. Um, you just know it by different names. So Caterpillar would be your legs are straight out in front of you. You're sitting, your legs are straight out in front of you, and you round forward towards your knee or your feet. Oh, okay. I actually, I, I actually like that. Yeah, I think most people will. <laughs> think, yeah. um, it's difficult for me because with this, most spine injuries, you should avoid rounding your spine. Um, yeah, for injuries, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so it... A hurts me, and B the whole time I'm in the posture, I am nervous that I'm going to do damage to myself, or I'm going to wake up tomorrow and not feel good. Um, so I like to avoid it. Um, similarly, um, I rarely teach saddle. I do teach saddle, and so for those of you who practice Bikram, saddle is similar to fixed firm, um, where you are going to uh, have your heels either underneath your bum or on the outside of your bum, and you're going to come all the way back to lie on the ground. And I'm like gesturing with my arms, and my hands as I do this, like I'm teaching. Um, <laughs> yeah, apologies. We don't uh, we don't have video yet. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah. Two. Yeah. Stay, uh, uh, stay tuned for video. <laughs> uh, so it's a really wonderful quad stretch, and I do teach it because it's one of Candace's very favorite postures, and keeping your boss happy is never a bad thing. Um, but it also offers a fair amount of compression to the L4, L5, and that's where the um, most severe of my injury lies. So for me, it's just almost always uncomfortable. I almost never feel it in my quads. Mm -hmm. And so just in my body, there's better ways to get the benefits while avoiding the drawbacks from my injury, which... <laughs> Could you describe the L4, L5 area? Just so yeah. if, if there's anybody out there that doesn't know exactly where that is on the body? Really low down. <laughs> so I'm feeling out my body right now. I'm going to say it's a few inches above where most of your bum cracks would end. <laughs> just to put it okay. <laughs> blatantly. That, uh, that landmarks it pretty well. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you know where your sacrum is, it's, again, a few inches above that. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's lower, lower back. It is a Lower where you think it would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a really common place to have injuries or just pain. Um, I mentioned sometimes in class that it's kind of a grand central striation of the spine. There's a lot of ligaments and things that sort of pass through the area and travel through the area, being how it is situated in your area of your hips. Um, so a lot of us, even if you don't have an injury, injury to the spine, will have tightness there. Um, and that's why it's so important to compress the area to practice into the area because it's going to give you the benefits of uh, maintaining mobility. Um, but for me, it hurts. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I tend to avoid it. And uh, yeah. In general, what do you find most challenging in teaching? That's a really good question. <laughs> it really depends on the day. If I'm having a hard day emotionally, it can be really hard to offer myself to students. Um, one really valuable thing that Candace has all the instructors do here is have a set class. I'm not sure what she calls it. I don't recall. But before she lets us teach a class on the schedule, she wants us to have one class memorized that we have taught 27,000 times that we could teach in our sleep if we wanted to. Um, and so... I have that class and I'll make slight variations to it. You've taken my class before. So if I ever teach my deer sequence where we do like three or four deers, that's the one I've taught a million times before. Um, so I will revert to that. If I'm having a hard day, um, I had a family member pass away last summer and I had to teach the next night and, and that's what I taught. And it just makes it easier to um, do the other things you need to do when you're teaching, like watch that students aren't going to injure themselves, et cetera, if you don't have to think about that part. <laughs> No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. What are your pet peeves in regards to teaching yoga? <laughs> um, 
I probably have a longer list than some of the teachers who oh, do. <laughs> do tell. <laughs> no, but on, in general, it's just etiquette stuff. So um, Etiquette's a really big, big thing that a lot of people don't, don't realize that um, they're either adhering to or they're, they're um, contravening etiquette. Yeah, and well. that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. Um, if someone makes a mistake, as uh, if we point it out to them, if they're open to changing, I don't get annoyed at all. Uh, as backward as this sounds, I think some of my pet peeves come from rugby because there also is a really strict honor code and etiquette system in rugby. There's just some things that you don't do, right. um, and so yeah, every every sport has that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, jujitsu as well. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Every every um, every sport or every every um, activity, especially when there's um, a competitive nature to it. Mm -hmm. That's a common aspect. Yeah. So it's the same in in yoga. And so for me, I don't love when, um, like now we let people have cell phones in the room because of COVID where we don't have lockers open, et cetera. We are asking people not to bring bags. So I'm okay with cell phones in the room, but I want them off. (laughs) I want them under your mat. Um, So if people are playing with their cell phones in my class, if people are talking to their neighbor when they're in my class, um, I, I struggle with saying this on the podcast. I personally get a little irritated sometimes if people are clearing their throat a lot or things like that. It, it just grinds my gears personally <laughs> um, or breathing really, really heavy. Um, but there's ways to teach to that. So Candace suggested that if someone is breathing really loudly and heavily, she'll say stop the class and have everyone inhale together and exhale together just so you can get everyone on the same page. Like we're, we're, we're relaxed right now. We're chilling. It's good. Um, so, yeah, in general, yoga etiquette is my pet peeve. Uh, I don't want people late to my class. I don't want people leaving class early. And they'll have good reasons. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I don't want you getting late to class because I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you leaving early because I want you to get the resolution of what we're working towards. Okay. Uh, do you have a most memorable class? <laughs> um, I would probably say my first one. The first one that you my took very- or the first one that you taught? Oh, the first one I taught. Um, the very first one I taught publicly on the schedule, I would say, is my okay. most memorable one. So um, my parents were there. My ex-boyfriend was there. And that was fine because uh, both of them had been to practice classes of mine before. So I wasn't stressed about teaching them. But halfway through class, my ex made eye contact with me and called me over to his mat. And I thought he just wanted a correction or something. Um, so I kind of ignored him for a little bit. And finally, and he insistently waved me over and I came over there. And uh, prior to coming here to teach, uh, we had been at home and I was making some lasagna for meal prep. And he called me over and he said, did you take the lasagna out of the oven? I said, no. <laughs> so I had left food in the oven in our basement. <laughs> and so he kind of quietly left the class and sped all the way home because this was an hour later. Right. Um, and it was blackened and charred. And I have a picture of it that we should probably put in the show notes or something. So it, was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was hilarious. And so I just go back to that moment. And it, was, it was just funny because I was so nervous and i was so excited yeah, that people I are gonna want to see that burton lasagna now uh, obviously it was it had a shape to it. <laughs> put it that way <laughs> it was in there so long it contorted yes <laughs> um have you ever experienced or witnessed any major injuries in class not in class no 
not in class, um, and not major. I have seen students that have sort of persistent nagging aches that will come up as they continue to practice. Um, there was one student who was doing a backbend challenge wherein you backbend every single day and you do multiple backbends yep. every day and you build up to lots and lots. And there's a ton of amazing benefits to that, um, but it also can be dangerous. So this student started to have um, numbness and tingling in their legs and was getting shooting pains. And um, But it was gradual over time. Um, I've never seen an immediate intense injury in a class. Okay, well, that's good. Let's uh, <laughs> knock wood. Knock on wood, and hopefully that uh, that trend can, uh, continues yes. for you. Um, is there a memorable good or bad student that you, you have ever taught? I wouldn't say specific students. Um, I would say types of students. So for me, the I don't want to say bad students because I don't think there's a bad student. I just think there's students that. Okay, we, yeah, yeah, we can expand on that. So what will, what would make a good student for you? A good student is just one that is present. They're willing to try. They're willing to listen. Um, And if nothing else, they're willing to respect their body and back off. So if a student comes to my class and lies in Shavasana for 99% of the time, that's awesome. I'm really happy for them. I'm happy because, A, they're respecting their body. They're respecting their mental health and what they need to do in that moment. And, B, I feel privileged that they feel I'm creating a safe enough space for them to honor themselves like that. So... It's not about how much you can do. It's about your attitude. Yeah. yeah. I would think that that would be actually pretty disciplined to, yeah. st- uh, to stay in Shavasana for, for that amount of time. Yeah, 100%. Especially when ev- everybody else is doing something else. Yeah, right? and it takes bravery. You, you need to not worry about being judged. Please know I'm not judging you. Please know that no students in my class are judging you. <laughs> um, but it, takes, it would take bravery to not worry about that, I think. Okay. So contrary to that, what would make a bad student <laughs> And again, I really hesitate to say bad. I don't want to call people out um, because I just think they're at a different part in their journey. But anyone who's... Oh, no. Call people out. That's (laughs) that's why people are listening. That's why I'm here. We're we're calling people out. I I just think if you're not ready for class, if you're not mentally, emotionally, physically prepared to try, you're not going to be a great student. So we see this a lot at the studio in um, people who say, oh, this has been amazing for me, so I'm going to drag my husband. And that's the language they use. I'm going to make my my husband come to class I'm going to drag my husband or I'm going to make my sister come with me we can almost always they're going to be miserable exactly you you can see it from a million miles away and it's a little different if it's like oh you know my sister has this chronic injury and really needs this time to slow down she's got four kids at home she needs so they might have a good class even if they're not ready for it but when people come to the studio and they don't want what yoga has to offer they don't want what's not just a physical practice it's a mental practice if they don't want that they're not going to have a good time themselves and it's going to be hard to teach them it's going to be distracting um and i don't want to use the word bad but if i had to call anyone bad that's who i'd call bad mm-hmm. and they have time to get good <laughs> but <laughs> in that moment they're not they're not great <laughs> yeah yeah what i've come to realize as well too in 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 my journey with uh with my practice and also um, up outside of here, what I use yoga as a tool for, which is um, uh, jujitsu. Both yoga and uh, uh, jujitsu are very similar in that um, it's really designed so that everybody can get something out of it and that it, that, that practice is for everybody, but not everybody is for that practice. Not everybody is for yoga. Not everybody is for jujitsu. And that's okay. Right? It's just the way it is. Yeah. And not everyone is for Bikram and not everyone is for Yen. And that might change in six months. 
you know, it's all valid. It's all okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you prefer to teach um, set sequences or creative sequences? A little bit of both. So um, especially if I'm going to, if I know I'm having a rough day or if I know I have a huge class coming in, I want to s- teach a set sequence that I've taught before, maybe that I straight up took from a, a training book um, and made no embellishments on um, because the work's done for me, right? It, it doesn't need to always be a creative, mind-blowing sequence. And Bikram teaches us that. It's the same class every day, and we still have so many students that love to practice it every single day because just because the practice is the same, just because it's a set sequence, doesn't mean you're going to have the same class every time. So Yeah, very true. Yeah. Very true. I, I love both of them for different reasons, and I love that both of them are available to me. Okay. Um, feet together or feet apart? <laughs> we talked about this a little before. Um, yes, we did. <laughs> so I think some people have really strong feelings about this. I think I don't. I think um, my strong feeling is that you should do what's working for your body as long as it's addressing your anatomy versus trying to take a shortcut so yeah because true because the like the, let's just say that feet apart mm-hmm. might be a lot easier and like you're saying be uh, be cutting corners or you know taking yeah. the um the the quicker path yeah so i think you have to ask yourself why you're coming to your mat like are you coming to your mat to spice up your mind you know so for me it's more comfortable in my body if I'm doing a sun salutation for instance feet together is more comfortable for me so really sometimes I should practice feet apart because it would change things up it would keep it fresh in my mind it would keep me tuned into my body um, and it would activate slightly different muscles slightly different pathways in my body and that's really valuable so I think both are valuable as long as you're coming to it with intention Um, and I think at the end of the day listening to your teacher is the best way because they might have some (laughs) (laughs) They may have some knowledge or if not um, knowledge that you don't have, they know what's coming in the class. So if a teacher is telling you to definitely practice with your feet apart, they might know that, you know, five poses down the sequence, you're going to do something that that's good prep for. So if they have a reason, (laughs) you know. Right. And and the reason could be, uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different things. It could be injuries. It could be anatomical differences or an irrational fear that we talked about (laughs) earlier. And all of those are valid. So in your case, like if there is an irrational fear in a student's case, then if they're ready to sort of address that, that's powerful too. Yeah. There's a little bit of an inside joke there. I haven't, <laughs> haven't really got in, in, into the, uh, you, you know, the, the details or the meat and potatoes about it, but I have a little bit of a rational fear that goes back to my childhood, just about my bare ankle bones touching. It cringes me and, and that's okay. I really do not like feet together. And that's okay. But, so. and so in that specifically, there is power in honoring that for yourself, but there's also power in going there. There's power in maybe addressing that and doing it one day and seeing how it sits with you and maybe saying, no, don't like that. And then trying it again in six months and seeing if it's any better. (laughs) So yeah, you got to do it. And it's been with me all my life and I think it will be because I'm 39 now and I haven't addressed it. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's that's debatable. (laughs) We might be talking about that on a different episode. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. Um, So another question would be, is my teacher judging me? (laughs) Not for the reasons you think. (laughs) Like I said, if you come into my class and you lie in Shavasana the whole time, I'm not judging you. Um, 
I'm I was gonna say I'm not judging you based on what you wear, but if you come to class and you're wearing jeans, I'm, I'm I, I don't understand you as a person. <laughs> well, especially a hot yoga studio. Exactly. I mean, Candace has done classes in jeans, and I've seen other students practice in jeans, and it's always well. A, that's just because she's a psycho. So. It, that's accurate. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I think I've worn jeans like twice in the last year. I'm not a jeans girl, so I I won't be judging you, but I just don't understand you. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to judge you based on what you're wearing. I'm not going to. I'm certainly never going to judge you on how well you do a posture. Um, I'm not going to judge you on how often you take breaks. The things I'm going to judge you for are if you're not open and if you're not trying. So if you're leaving the classroom five or six times, yeah, very rather, fair. Yeah. yeah, rather than lying on your mat. Um, and I will say that. If you have some sort of trauma that's um, dictating you to go out of the room five or six times, that's different um, and something we I'd like to try and address and make you more comfortable. Um, but yeah, if you're coming in and out of the room, if you are talking to your neighbor, I'm judging you for that because you're not giving it the chance. You're not you're not taking the opportunity to get all the benefits from the practice, and that's what I would judge you for. Um, so, how has COVID affected your practice and your teaching? So it hasn't, it hasn't. I think it was really good for me personally because it was a different kind of teaching. It it changed things up a little bit for me. I've only ever taught at this studio. I haven't branched out yet. Um, and so it kept it fresh and it, it was something new and, and changed things up for me. And I think it's made me a better teacher overall. Um, practice wise, it's been really cool because I think a lot of time when I come to my mat, I'm so caught up in my injuries and what my doctor has told me, what my physiotherapist has told me that I won't even try some posture sometimes, which is something I judge myself for <laughs> because you should always try. Um, even if you have to modify it, you should do, you should do and make an attempt. So as a specific example, I don't think I had tried a teddy bear headstand since I was eight or nine years old. Mm. Um, even though I had, I've been working at the studio and taking classes here for years and we often practice teddy bear headstand or it's offered to us at least. Um, and I would go to the extent that obviously we offer different examples or different stages of the practice. So the first step to a teddy bear headstand would just be like a wide legged forward fold. And often I wouldn't even do that. I would kneel on my mat and look around at the other students and what they were doing. And well, I think that's okay sometimes, and I'm not going to judge students who do that. Um, it, it closed me off to the possibilities. So I was, as for COVID, <laughs> um, especially at the beginning when we had a lockdown, anytime we had an online class, we would have a staff member or a teacher demonstrating on camera. And so I did a lot of classes, more than I would have. I took fewer breaks, so I started getting stronger. And then one class demonstrating on the camera, and uh it came time to do teddy bear headstand and I was just going to do a forward fold, but I was like, oh, let's, let's try it today. And I did it. I did it no problem. And I felt strong and capable and it didn't hurt. And I was fine the next day. And as soon as I got up into it, I was like, guys, 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 guys. And I was like calling them to look at me because I was so excited. And, and so I think that's a really long way of saying that COVID um, as a practitioner has helped me step outside my bubble and accept that I'm capable of a lot more than the story in my head was telling me prior to COVID. Um, and that's been a really exciting opportunity of growth for me. Yeah, no, that's, uh, uh, that's a really good uh, success story Yeah, <laughs> in, in relation to that as yeah. well, too. So what do you do besides yoga? 
Um, now, not Your bio much. specifically said many other jobs. It, so. It's true. Most of them have fallen by the wayside with COVID. That's okay. That happens. <laughs> uh, whether or not that's okay, I don't know. But. Uh, yeah, the bank account says no, but my mental health says yes. Um, so I've had a few previous lives prior to yoga. I have a background in music, so I have taught music. I have done recording and performing. Um, that one I haven't really circled back to. Instrumental or or vocal? bit of both. Mostly yeah. instrumental. I have done some backup vocals and things like that. Um, I've done some work in radio and so I've done that. And then after my music life, I went and I did a geeky honors English degree <laughs> um, wherein I did a lot of writing. So from there I started doing some freelance writing and I sort of morphed that into marketing skills, learned a lot of practical on the job marketing skills. So I do a lot of freelance social media content, um, branding, marketing, um, writing for different small companies, small businesses, um, individuals. Uh, most of that has fallen by the wayside, partially from COVID and partially just I've been having a rough time with my injury in the past year and uh, have been just mentally, uh, it's difficult to track down new contracts when every day you wake up and you hurt. <laughs> it sucks. Um, so I haven't done a lot of tracking down contracts recently. Um, another job that I was doing prior to COVID is hosting pub trivia because I'm a giant nerd, but oh, it's so yes. much fun. Yeah, that, that, that definitely would be fun. You've, uh, you've probably had uh, some of the most creative answers. I have. Being thrown at you in the uh, pub setting. I have. Yes, makes me very happy. Actually, maybe we should do it on the podcast one week. I did a whole category once of um, this thing is a yoga pose, but also something else. So like one of them was pigeon pose. And I described pigeon pose like I would teach it. But then I also said, but it's also a bird. <laughs> and that would be a really good into, uh, 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 good idea for a podcast game that we could uh, host on Zoom Ooh, for, yeah. for people. So if anybody Maybe. out there is listening that wants to participate in this game, let us know. Come, we go, we can most definitely do that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so I loved that. Um, I love doing trivia. And, you know, I've... DJed weddings. I've um, done other sort of pub events. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of different jobs. I, I do some accounting work because why not? <laughs> yeah, so uh, kind of all over the place um, as well as I teach here and I do, uh, what is my actual position name? A front desk employee, membership representative. I do a lot of things at the studio, guys. <laughs> I don't go home. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of you at, at at the studio do a lot that uh, that we don't know about. Yeah, as, behind the uh, scenes as students and, and uh, clientele. Yeah, um, and so Sarah and I are both teachers here, and we both work front desk jobs. I'm doing air quotes while I say that, um, which can entail everything from cleaning a toilet to like recoding a website. So <laughs> we do a lot of stuff. We're kind of... Yeah, and everything in between. Yes, those. So jacks of all trade, masters of none. And it's really cool, the staff here. I know this isn't the question, but um, we've had a really cool space where there's four of us, as well as Candace, obviously. Um, and we were talking about this the other day, that we're all completely anal retentive freaks, but we're all completely anal retentive freaks about very different things. Things. So we all that, and that's why it works. It's great. We have a really great working relationship, all of us, and we all sort of have different strengths that the other people don't have. Um, I know what Sarah's going to do when she comes in here. She knows what I'm yeah. going to do. Like it's it's great. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it's important that your OCD doesn't overlap to, to somebody <laughs> yeah. else's. Well, we make a really cohesive team. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Who, who or what has been the biggest influence in your life so far? 
Um, just with regards to yoga specifically, or sure, I, yeah, I, I'd probably say my injury. Honestly, um, not only has it taught me to have grace for myself and acceptance for myself and respect for my body's capabilities where it is that day, but I think it's taught me that it doesn't matter what someone looks like when they're walking into the room. They can look like the most fit person in the world, but they could have an autoimmune disease. They could have, um, you know, a broken bone. They could have uh, a lost limb that they're, they're hiding underneath their clothing. We see it all the time. And I think just with the extent of my injury, how it affects me, my day-to-day life, it makes me um, more able to recognize that we're all coming to this from a different place. We're all coming to yoga. We're all coming to life from a different place and to just have respect and leave space for people that have are fighting by battles that you know nothing about okay what would be your perfect day <laughs> sleep <laughs> hey, sure sleep a lot. <laughs> um right now honestly i'm living my perfect days a lot i, I sleep in i rarely set that's an alarm a good really. answer it's great it's great and i'm trying really hard to do that because the more i can do that the more the easier it is for my body pain wise, um, the less stress I have. So I'm doing, I rarely set an alarm, (laughs) which is great. I sleep in a lot. Um, I come to the studio, I do the work I need to do. I take a class, I teach a class. Um, I watch hockey when I go home, I go for walks. Like so I guess at the end of the day, respecting my body and, and, and being gentle and kind to myself makes for a perfect day. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So who would be on your Mount Rushmore of yoga practitioners <gasps> we or talked, teachers? Yeah, we talked about this a little before we started recording. And it's a hard question. It is. It's yes. a hard question. And I think... We and it tells of, a lot about the person too. It, it does. So I think I put Bernie, Bernie Clark okay. on my Mount Rushmore. And and I think we talked about this because whoever is your teacher is is who's going to end up there. Um, so I hear his words in my voice. I hear his words when I'm teaching. Uh, in a similar vein, I'd put Candace on there. She mentored me as a teacher. She is one of the best instructors I have ever studied with. Um, she So uh, she's an amazing teacher. She has an amazing depth of knowledge. So I'd put her up there. In a similar, I'd put Esther. She's another one of our teachers here. She's a long-term teacher. She was on staff at the Bikram Yoga School at a certain point. Um, She's incredibly knowledgeable. She has an innate ability to see the posture. And she's really good at knowing when a student is modifying because they need to or because they are being lazy. Oh, interesting. I, so, oh, dang. <laughs> she's really good at it. And so one class I took I, with I her. I can't get away with that anymore now. No, you cannot. Not with Esther, no. And and uh, the, the story I go back to is... Um, I was taking one of her Bikram classes one day and, and rabbit pose and Bikram is a pretty intense forward fold of the spine. So I usually skip it because it's contraindicated for my injury. But there are modifications that I can use that I'm fully aware of that I should be doing. And so she was watched, she was teaching and uh, I went, I was kneeling. That's how you enter into rabbit pose. And then rather than doing one of the modifications that I'm perfectly well aware of, I was reaching for my water bottle and my hand went maybe an inch from my side. She said, Karen, do not touch that water bottle. <laughs> okay, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't wrong. <laughs> she was not wrong. Um, and, and, you know, she knew that I was doing it because I didn't want to do a modification, not that I wasn't physically capable of doing something at that point. It was my mind, not my body. So I'd put her up there. Uh, and then just to throw it up, I'd add maybe Ryan Lear. He's another teacher that is usually in Vancouver. Uh, and he just always has really creative flows. And I think he does a really cool job of 
having the student go internally a little bit and acknowledging the spiritual part without being too restrictive in what that spiritual aspect might mean. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, we're coming to the close to the end of the uh, 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 the interview and the episode today. It's <laughs> coming up to almost five thirty, and Karen has a class that she needs to teach at yeah. six o'clock here. <laughs> so um, I will end with this question here: Do you practice what you teach? <laughs> I like to think yes. Uh, And I think one of the goals when I'm teaching, I try really hard to say, this is something you should do every day. While we're in the posture, I will say this. And then I'll say, we're only doing it for two minutes today because I haven't done it in a week and a half and it hurts. (laughs) So um, I would never say something in class like do this every day if there wasn't a reason for it. I might not always do it every day. But I will call myself out. I'll be the first person to call myself out if I'm not doing enough. No, you're very accountable in that, in, in, in that regard. So Good. Yeah. I think yeah. anybody that uh, takes your class will uh, will attest to that as well. <laughs> yeah. And just um, so I think the other thing that I preach or try to preach is that like use props. Um, take every class for what it is. One day you might be really intense. One day you might be half asleep and both are okay and valid. So I think that part I do pretty well at honoring what I teach. Um, I'm not always perfect, but the intent is there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And how often and how long do you practice each day? I practice at least a little bit each day. Uh, Even if I don't take a class through the studio, I will do my own practice. Um, Usually when I get up in the morning, I'll do at least 10, 15 minutes of just what my body's asking for. Same at the end of the night, especially if I'm feeling anxious or have some pain. If I've had, if I'm, my anxiety is kind of high, I will try to address that with some of the postures that I know will address that work to that. Um, so I do at least that every day, if not add in a class. Um, if I'm watching TV, I'm usually in a pose or two. <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing all day long, even if it's not a set long class. Um, and I do try to do some meditation every single day and at least a little something every day. Okay, excellent. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You as well. And I look forward to uh, many more episodes having you as a co-host. Many, many more. <laughs> many, many more. So everyone out there, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you haven't taken one of Karen's classes... <laughs> Please do. Please do. Sign up right away. You uh, you most definitely will uh, not regret it. So if there's anybody out there who wants to be a guest on the show, uh, please let us know. Any other questions, comments, or criticisms, specifically criticisms, put them to Candace's attention. Yes. At, Feedback. Attention, Candace. At the uh, e- email address. And what would be the best email address to uh, give here? Would, would that be the info? Yeah. It's the only one on our website. It's info at yoga360.ca. Okay. And I guess just in the um, in, in, in the subject uh, box there, just uh, put uh, specific uh, podcast questions, podcast suggestions. Yeah, there. absolutely. She's going to respond to every email she gets, uh, but that makes it easier for her to search it out of the pile if she's looking for podcast feedback. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. We are incredibly grateful to have you join us to the end of this episode. If you want to share your experience and deepen your connection with our community, we would love to have you join us as a guest. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. See you on the mat.